Welcome. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from theblindcook.com. This from Christine Ha. It's a recipe for garlic mashed plantains, also known as mofongo. The most memorable dish I ate while in the Dominican Republic was the mofongo at Dial Bar and Lounge on our last day in Santa Domingo. It was comforting, simple, and yet incredibly delicious. You get the starchy, chewy earthiness from the plantains, the unctuous saltiness from the pork and juice, and the intense bite from the garlic, all mashed up in a big ball that you can eat out of a bowl with just a spoon or fork. I dream of this mofongo, and though I've also had it in Puerto Rico, where it is said to have originated, I found I liked the Dominican Republic version more. Of course, I'm no mofongo connoisseur, and I only had two mofongos in San Juan, so what do I know? All I do know is that both the PR and DR like to compete over who has the better mofongo. Who do you think makes the better mofongo, Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic? Where have you had the best mofongo of your life? Here's the recipe, garlic mashed plantains, also known as mofongo. Notes, you could easily substitute the pork with shrimp, chicken, or beef instead for a variation. The ingredients are one and a half pounds of pork belly with skin, fat, and some meat cubed. Oil for frying, divided. Eight to ten cloves of garlic, minced. Six green, unripened plantains cut into one-inch slices. Two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. 1.5 cups of poultry stock and more for serving. And then the garnish is finely chopped cilantro. For the instructions, first you're going to cook the pork in a large saucepan over medium heat on an outdoor burner. Add pork and enough water to cover one half of the meat. Lower the heat to medium low and cook uncovered until water evaporates, fat renders, and the pork browns, stirring occasionally to prevent sticking, approximately 30 to 45 minutes. Cool completely on wire racks lined with paper towels and reserve the rendered lard. Next, you're going to fry the pork. Strain the lard through the mesh sieve and return to the pot, adding oil as needed to cover the bottom by 2 inches. You're going to reheat to 375 degrees Fahrenheit and fry the pork until popped and blistered approximately 1 to 2 minutes and then transfer to wire racks lined with paper towels to cool, reserving the lard. Next, you're going to cook the garlic and plantains. Soak the plantains in cold salted water for 20 minutes, then drain and pat dry. In a wok or a saute pan, heat two tablespoons of lard and saute garlic until fragrant, and then transfer to a large bowl. Add lard and oil as needed to cover the bottom by three quarters inch and heat to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Fry the plantains until golden, approximately seven minutes, flipping halfway through. Drain and transfer to the bowl with garlic. To make the mofongo, you're going to add the cracklins, olive oil, and salt to taste to, plain, to the plantain mixture, and then mash until your desired consistency is reached, 
adding the stock as needed, and then you form it into balls. To serve, drizzle with additional stock and garnish with cilantro. This yields six to eight servings. Thank you, Christine Ha. Next, from the Blind Kitchen, we've got Deb helping us out with a recipe for traditional green bean casserole. The ingredients for this recipe, you'll need one to one and a half pounds of fresh green beans, four tablespoons of butter, one large or two small shallots, one half of a red bell pepper, 12 ounces of fresh mushrooms, one teaspoon of black pepper, one quarter teaspoon of nutmeg, one teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, one teaspoon of soy sauce, two large cloves of garlic or four small grated, a dash of cayenne, this is optional if you don't want it quite so spicy, four tablespoons of flour, one and a half cup of vegetable broth, one half cup of half and half, one half cup of grated Gruyere cheese, and two cups of crispy onion strings. I've got a recipe for that on the blindkitchen.com website. The tools you'll need are a talking scale, a butter slicer, measuring cups and spoons, way around tags for labeling, or you can go to the way around website, and a mini box grater. Here you go. This recipe is prepared in six phases. Phase number one, you're going to prepare two cups of the crispy onion strips. Next, you're going to prepare the fresh ingredients, the shallots, green beans, red bell peppers, and mushrooms. And next, you're going to par-steam the green beans and blanch. Number four, you're going to saute the mushrooms and the diced red pepper. And number five, make a roux-based white sauce. Number six, assemble and bake and then broil. You're going to cut and measure all of the ingredients before you start to cook. Some are added quickly, one after the other. For example, the vegetable stock to the flour or butter roux. A delay in measuring the stock can result in the roux being cooked too long and losing some of its thickening power. The same goes for sautéing the fresh vegetables. They are added in a relatively quick orderly sequence, and if you are slicing the mushrooms, the diced shallots being cooked in the pan will probably burn before you can finish. I like a well-planned mise en place, which translates to everything in its place, and is my mantra for more relaxed cooking experience. So you're going to arrange all your ingredients on a work tray before you start to cook. You can fill a sink with hot soapy water for quick immersion of your hands, and you can use a towel clip to keep a clean cloth handy at all times. Use a salad spinner to plunge your green beans after they're steamed, it works as a drainer and you can give them a quick spin to dry them further so that the delicious white sauce is in their nooks and crannies, not flavorless water. You're going to rinse one and a half pounds of fresh green beans and then trim the ends and cut in half or two to three pieces and set those aside. The tools you're going to need are work trays, towel clip, talking scale, and cut glove and you can get those at theblindkitchen.com. You want a clean and thickly slice 12 ounces of mushrooms. You'll need a slicing guide, finger guard, and cut glove for the next step. You want to peel and fine dice two small or one large shallot and set aside. Next tools you'll need are a finger guard and a cut glove. You're going to clean, de-seed, and medium dice one half of the red bell pepper. 
Then you'll need finger guard and cut glove for the next step. Peel and grate two large cloves of garlic or three small cloves. You'll need the tools of a mini box grater and a cut glove to grate one half cup of Gruyere cheese. And you're also going to need a mini box grater and a cut glove and you're going to parboil or parcook the green beans. You're going to steam the green beans for three to four minutes to start the cooking process. They should be a bit softer than raw, but still be a bit crispy. They will cook more later. You're going to immediately plunge them into an ice bath to stop the cooking and retain their color. And then you're going to drain and set aside. In the same now empty pan over medium heat, add two tablespoons of olive oil after you know that the pan is hot. Use your finger to quickly tap the top rim of the pan. If the top of the pan is hot, you can be sure that the bottom of the pan is hot too. This tap movement also helps you to know exactly where the pan is if it's, and if it's centered on the burner. The secret to not getting burned is to tap quickly and pull the finger back immediately. You're going to saute the diced shallots and the diced red bell peppers and sliced mushrooms for four to six minutes. You should just barely hear it sizzling. Add in the grated garlic and cook for one minute more and remove all from the pan and set aside. Do not clean the pan. Next, you're going to make a roux-based white sauce, and you do that by, in the same pan, you're going to melt four tablespoons of butter over medium heat. You should just barely hear it sizzling. Use the whisk to check if the butter is fully melted. The smell of the butter will change to a nutty aroma, and that is a good thing. You're going to add four tablespoons of flour to the melted butter and whisk constantly, and then cook and whisk for two to three minutes until well combined and the raw flour smell is cooked out. Then you're going to add in one and a half cups of vegetable broth and continue to whisk for four more minutes. Whisk constantly to avoid lumps from forming. The flour wants to stick together, <clears throat> but if you whisk it well, you will coat each grain with slippery butter and it will not be able to stick together to form lumps. And then you're going to remove the pan from the heat. Add the following to the cooling pan. One teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, one teaspoon of soy sauce, one teaspoon of black pepper, and one quarter teaspoon of nutmeg. The tools you might use are adaptive wet measure spoons, adaptive dry measure spoons, mini box grater, and a cut glove. You're going to stir those ingredients until they're well combined and then the, add in the par-cooked green beans. Then you're going to add in one half cup, half and half. You do this while the pan is off the heat to prevent curdling or the cream from separating, commonly referred to as a broken sauce. No broken sauces in the blind kitchen. You're going to put the pan back on the stove over medium heat, stirring gently and constantly. Cook for about five minutes until well mixed and hot. You do not want it to boil. Then you're going to remove it from the heat. Tools, a wood spoon, and heat gloves. You want to preheat your oven to 350 degrees. And then the other tools you might need are tactile paint or bump dots to mark dials or flat screen control panels. You want to grease an 8 to 12 cup capacity oven safe dish with butter or oil. Add one half of the crispy onion strings to the mixture, cooling in the pan, and mix gently. Pour the mixture into the oven safe baking dish and spread to an even layer. 
Do not press it down firmly so that the heat can circulate through as much of the food as possible. Bake at 350 degrees for 25 minutes until the bean mixture is hot and bubbling and then remove from the oven. Other tools you might use are heat gloves and oven rack guards. You're going to next distribute the grated Gruyere cheese evenly on top of the mixture. I use my cut glove on my non-dominant hand to offer an extra layer of protection between my fingers and the hot food. They are not meant to protect from heat as the heat gloves are, but for a task like this, the heat gloves are too bulky to offer much tactile information. The cut gloves are a thin layer that gives you information and should not remain in contact with the hot food. All you need is a quick tap to help you know where you are as you sprinkle the cheese over the hot mixture. You're going to sprinkle the remaining crispy onion strips over the top of the bean mixture. Do not stir. They will brown on the top. Uh, the tool you might need is the cut gloves. You're going to put the dish into the oven under the broiler for three to four minutes until the onions are sizzling and become crispy brown. Stay near the oven as it broils. You will hear them begin to sizzle and they will soon begin to smell more cooked. Remember that they were already cooked. So once you hear them sizzle, you will know that they will start to burn in just minutes. So remove them soon after you hear the sound. They're about 30 seconds between broiled well and burned. Remove from the oven and allow to cool for 10 minutes before serving. Enjoy. Thank you, Blind Kitchen. We've got another recipe from the Blind Kitchen for whipped Chantilly cream. This is a three ingredient treat that takes less than 30 minutes to provide a flavorful treat for family and friends. The whipped Chantilly cream recipe is designed to be a teaching tool for cooks who are returning to their kitchens. If you're already comfortable cooking with vision loss, you may not need the details in the included links. If you're new to our tools and new to cooking with vision loss, these recipes as written and their links will be helpful. The links will take you to the description, including a video of the tools being used. Here's the ingredients. You'll need two cups of cold whipping or heavy cream. Note, use a high fat cream for the best results. Heavy whipping cream is best and has 33 to 35% fat by law. You'll also need three tablespoons of confectioner's sugar. Note, confectioner's sugar has cornstarch to keep it smooth and flowing and results in a more stable and less gritty product. You'll also need two teaspoons of vanilla extract. Here's the method. You're going to chill the bowl and the beaters or whisk in the freezer for at least 15 minutes. The coldness helps keep the fat and the heavy cream from melting and provides a skeleton for the bubbles that form. Cold bubbles are rigid and retain their lightness and airiness. airiness. <laughs> Be sure to read through the rest of this recipe while the bowl and beaters are chilling. The actual mixing takes only three to five minutes. So you want to be clear on what you're going to do there as well. There won't be a lot of time to read while you're mixing. The TBK, which is the Blind Kitchen Cooking Tips for Whipped Chantilly Cream. First, you want to have a common soup or cereal spoon near the mixing bowl to help you determine when the whipped cream is ready. Details in the recipe instructions below. Number two, always work over a work tray to keep the work area clean. 
So your method, you're going to add two cups of heavy cream to the cold bowl and then add three tablespoons of confectioner's sugar and add two teaspoons of vanilla extract. Start mixing on low to encourage small bubbles to form about two minutes. Then increase the speed until soft peaks form but still can bend by themselves. Check often as you mix to determine the thickness and when the peaks form. The whipped cream should be perfect in three to five minutes. To check if there are peaks forming, you can turn off the mixer and see if the cream hangs from the beaters instead of dripping off. If you are still unsure, if you can scoop out a spoon of the mixture and then turn the spoon upside down over the bowl. If the whipped cream mixture stays inside the spoon and then you know that you are there or almost there. If you want it just a bit thicker, remember there's about 30 seconds between perfect whipped cream and a product that resembles butter. Enjoy! Next we've got a recipe from smittenkitchen.com. I think today we're going to go with the crispy potatoes and mushrooms. I like to think that I made a smashing impression on my Russian in-laws when I met them. At the time, I didn't eat meat or more importantly smoke fish. I remained staunch in my dislike of beets and shortly after we got married, I started talking about quitting my day job to blog full-time. But I took a liking to pickles immediately. I made a pretty solid eggplant caviar because I learned from the best. I've since figured out honey cake and Russian Neapolitan. And although the vegetarian options were limited at the time when we first met at the Russian vodka room, I quickly discovered my favorite Russian comfort food, fried potatoes and mushrooms, also known as, and I apologize to anyone who speaks Russian out there, Kartoshka's Skribami. It's my best shot. I've ordered it at every Russian restaurant since. There are about as many variations on potatoes and mushrooms as there are people scattered from Russia and the former Soviet republics who enjoy it. I don't think I've ever had two of the same versions twice, but I've yet to find one that I didn't like. Sometimes the potatoes are baton-shaped like french fries, sometimes diced, sometimes in chunks or discs, but they're always fried. Yet when I make it at home, although I have no quibble frying potatoes, I'll share directions below if you'd like to, I find it easier to just roast them, like oven cottage fries, while I prepare the mushrooms on the stove. This dish is pure comfort food and coziness. It's inexpensive, and while it's often served among several other dishes, Zakuski style, you absolutely can and should, given the dreary weather, have it in a big bowl for dinner tonight. So here's the recipe, Russian-style crispy potatoes and mushrooms. This serves two to four, it takes one hour, and the source is the Smitten Kitchen. I'm using fingerlings and cremony mushrooms from the Union Square Green Market. Lucky me. But I usually make this with Yukon Gold potatoes and any mix of mushrooms that looks good at the store. So for the potatoes, you'll need one and a half pounds of Yukon Gold potatoes, peeled if you wish and cut into one quarter inch slices. You'll need olive oil and kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper. For the mushrooms, you'll need three tablespoons of unsalted butter divided, one small onion diced, that's about one heaped cup, some kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, two to three garlic cloves minced, and one pound of cremony or other mushroom 
thinly sliced. To serve, you'll need sour cream and a handful of fresh dill. To roast the potatoes, frying directions are at the end, um, you're going to heat your oven to 400 degrees, line a large baking sheet with parchment paper for ease, and then toss the potatoes with a generous amount of olive oil, salt, and freshly ground pepper, and spread them out on the prepared sheet in one layer. Roast for 30 minutes on the first side and 10 minutes on the second until they're golden all over. Meanwhile, make the mushroom and onions. Heat a large skillet over medium-high heat. Once hot, add one tablespoon butter and one tablespoon olive oil. Once hot, add the onions and season with salt and pepper. And then cook, stirring until the onions are soft and deeply golden throughout about 7 to 10 minutes. Reduce heat if they're browning much faster and scoop the onions from the pan and set aside in a bowl. Rewarm the empty pan. That's you're going to bump it back to medium high if you reduce the heat. And once the pan is very hot, you're going to add one more tablespoon of butter. Once melted, add mushrooms in as flat of a layer as you can. And don't move them for two to three minutes until they're browned underneath. Stir and then spread flat again and repeat the process once or twice. Then add the minced garlic and season with salt and freshly ground black pepper and continue to cook, cooking off any liquid that's been expelled from the mushrooms until the mushrooms are tender and delicious a few minutes more. Add the reserved onions and the last tablespoon of butter and stir to combine, rewarming the mushrooms and melting the butter. Then you're going to assemble. You're going to arrange potatoes on a platter and you're going to heap with mushrooms and onions, sprinkle a dill, and serve with a generous dollop of sour cream. To fry your potatoes, you can place your potatoes in a skillet deep enough to hold them with an inch on top and pour a high heat oil, which would be like a peanut or vegetable oil that'll work great, to just barely cover them. You're going to turn your heat to high yes high and bring it to a boil without moving the potatoes cook for 20 to 25 minutes until they're crisp and golden adding another five minutes if needed and only if necessary for even cooking you can stir them in the last five to eight minutes you're going to drain it the oil can be strained and reused and spread on paper towels to blot and season immediately with salt and pepper serve with the mushrooms from above We're going to finish with one last recipe from smittenkitchen.com. This one for Kachumber Cooler. <laughs> this serves one, takes five minutes, and the source is Floyd Cardoz. To make simple syrup, you're going to heat one tablespoon of water with two tablespoons of sugar, stirring just until the sugar dissolves. And then you're going to pour it into a cup or a bowl and one tablespoon of ice-cold water to cool it somewhat, then chill in the fridge until needed. Scale up as needed. Leftovers keep in the fridge. You'll need two and a half inch slices of cucumber, or two one half inch slices of cucumber, there we go, plus a couple thinner slices for garnish. You'll need two one quarter inch slices of a mild to medium chili, such as jalapeno. You'll need eight fresh cilantro leaves, one half ounce or a tablespoon of fresh lime juice, one half ounce or a tablespoon of simple syrup, one three quarter ounce of gin.
That's three and a half tablespoons. You're going to muddle thick slices of cucumber, cilantro, and chill in a cocktail shaker or mixing glass until well broken down and mashed. Add the gin, the lime, and simple syrup and shake vigorously. Strain into medium or double rocks glass half filled with ice. Add more ice as desired and garnish with thinner slices of cucumber. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.